0: All right, we're in 2 Samuel chapter 11 this morning. 2 Samuel chapter 11, very familiar story. David and his sin with Bathsheba. And I want to look at this uh, together. Before we read, can I pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, again, help us this morning. Help us have an understanding heart. Feed us from your word. Teach us, again, uh, Lord, the simple truth of sin and, Lord, what it does. Thank you again for your forgiveness. Father, please help us to, again, learn from this. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, the story about David and Bathsheba sometimes... because it is so well known, for me, it almost gets to be like Christmas and Easter. It's, you know, how much can you say about Jesus being born in a stable and how much you can talk about as far as his crucified? And I know that we can always talk about those things, but they get to be so known to us that we almost like, oh yeah, I know that, all right? It's almost like when you got saved, you should never forget the day you accepted Christ as your savior. It ought to be real to you. You ought to thank God every day for the day you got saved. This particular story of David Bathsheba, there were not very many people that recovered from their sin like David recovered from their sin. By the way, can I just tell you, God does not throw people away. He wants to pick them up when they fall down. That's the love of God, that's the grace of God. And all of us could give testimony of things that we've done in our life that we're sorry for, we wish it had never happened, but God in his grace picks us back up and he uses us and lets us be used. But can I tell you how many Christians give up because of the guilt or the regret and they, they just say, I just can't, I can't go forward or they don't wanna go forward or maybe they're flesh, they enjoy their sins so much that they never come back. It's nice to have an example in the scripture of somebody who did wrong but got right. And you think about, you think about God. <clears throat> now, I don't know about you, but if I was God, and I'm not, but if I was God, I would only portray my servants in a good light. He didn't do that with David. Okay, so we got all the good stuff of David. David, the man after God's own heart. David, the guy who kills Goliath. David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. But he also tells us, this is the guy who commits adultery and then kills her husband. All right? So to, this morning, I want to look at this, but I'm, I beg of you to try to really work at concentrating because I know you already know the story. All right? So let's look at a couple things together. 2 Samuel, chapter number 11, verse number 1. And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. (coughs) And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. one said, is not this Bathsheba? Now I think it's interesting that the next phrase names the two authorities of Bathsheba's life. The daughter of Eliam, and she had a father the wife of Uriah the Hittite, which was her husband. And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto unto him. And he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her husband. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. And David sent to Joab, saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded of him how Joab did and how the people did and how the war prospered. Verse eight, and David said to Uriah, Go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house, and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord, and went not down to his house. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down unto his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst thou not go down unto thine house? And Uriah said unto David, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents, and my lord Joab, And the servants of my Lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into mine house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? As thou livest and as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. And David said to Uriah, "Tarry here today also and tomorrow I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the morrow. Verse 13, and when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him and he made him drunk. And it even went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but went not down to his house. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. I'm going to stop there instead of reading the entire chapter. But we know the rest of the story. David personally writes the death warrant for Uriah, who he goes and hands to Joab. And Joab puts him in the front of the battle, gets him too close to the wall, and he's killed. All right. So God's not happy with this. In fact, the last verse of this chapter, the last phrase says, But the thing which David had done displeased the Lord. God is not happy when we sin all right it's just it's just the bottom line you know sometimes we as christians we, we fail to forget that we belong to somebody we're not our own you've been bought with a price you're a child of god and so what we need to do is we need to learn from this lesson of david <coughs> that we would also do what's right now i want to deal with three things this morning i think they're all in your lesson i just want to walk through them very very quickly this morning the first thing I want you to see is David's, great, David's sin was preceded by several small sins. Now, I know these are elementary truths, but again, like, can we just remind ourselves that nobody just falls into sin. Amen. We use that term all the time. That person fell into sin. He didn't just fall into sin. He took several small steps that caused him to sin. All right? Now, you know what they are. We understand that the first verse of the, of the chapter, chapter 11, it says, At the time when kings go forth to battle, was David supposed to be home no, he's supposed to be out at the war. He'd have never saw Bathsheba bathing if he had been where he was supposed to be. But instead of being where he was supposed to be, he was being lazy, he stayed home. Joab, take the army, you can defeat them, you don't really need me. Oh, it doesn't matter if they need you, that's where you were supposed to be. We see that laziness was involved. We see also, in verse number two, it says, and it came to pass an evening tide that David arose from his bed and walked upon the roof of the, of the king's house. Look at this, and from the roof he, what's the word? <coughs> he saw, I'm sorry, I read a little faster, verse two he saw a woman, last phrase, verse number two, he saw a woman washing herself and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Now I find it interesting that God uses the word saw and the word look in this same verse because it gives the indication that when David saw her bathing, he didn't turn and go the other direction, he looked upon her. So what was taking place? He was lusting after her. He thought it was okay to look at pornography and it wouldn't bother him. Hey, I want to tell you, we're living a day today that the eye gate is consumed with wrong things. It's consumed. You can't even walk in a grocery store and get something, a piece of bubble gum to walk out without having to see magazines sitting right there before you walk out. You can't walk into a, a clothing store without having lingerie on human-sized poster boards. Now I want to tell you something. I know we take these things lightly, but there was a day we did not take these things lightly. There, there was a day that it bothered us. That somebody would have those kind of things. I remember growing up my, when my father picketed 7-Elevens. We had a 7-Eleven in our, in our town, and they decided they were going to sell pornography. And he got the whole church out there with big the picket signs, and they picketed 7-Eleven. Now I want to tell you, there was a cost involved, all right? They burned all seven of our buses. I'm just trying to tell you there was a cost involved. But there was a day that people stood up against that kind of stuff. It's wrong. It's, it's ungodly. And I'm just trying to tell you, we as Christians, we have become accustomed to it because of the Internet, because of television. We're letting our guard down as Christians. What we see affects us. So can I just tell you that there was a series of smaller sins that caused him to get to that place where he did wrong. We noticed that when Uriah came back, he lied to Uriah. He demanded of him, of what's going on. He didn't care about what was going on. Hey, Uriah, listen, you need to go down to your house. I'll send some meat down to your house. He was being deceitful and lying. Several small sins took place. Isn't it interesting that Uriah in a drunken state had more character than David in a sober state? I can't do that. I can't go home to my wife with all the army of Israel is in intense fighting a battle. He was a soldier, by the way. So what I'm trying to get you to think about this morning is this, is that oftentimes there are several small sins in our life. Uh, years ago I had one, a Venus flytrap. Fly you know, I thought it was a fictitious thing because when reading about it, uh, I just thought, there's no way. And sure enough, Venus, Venus fly trap is a Venus is flytrap is a plant, and that plant has leaves, and they're sticky, and there's little hairs on those leaves. And when a fly comes and lands on it, he, he's eating uh, off of that plant, and the plant's very, very slowly one hair at a time begins to put itself without the fly even noticing it, and before long there are so many of those ha- sticky hairs from that plant that are on that fly, he can't get loose. And then after that is that fly is completely uh, captured, then those leaves fold up and eat the fly. Now I'm going to try to tell you that sin is the same way. We get start eating that that whatever that fleshly gratification is in our life, we start to do that, and we think, ah, oh, it's not that bad. That's only because there's only one hair on your back. But eventually, it it, it engulfs us. Proverbs chapter 5 talks about being holden with the cords of our sins. And I want to tell you something. It's the same way with all of our life. And all of us could look back in our life of things that we fell or things that we did or things that we wish we wouldn't have done. And we can look at the progression that got us there. We're trying to raise children for God. Hopefully that's what we want. We want our children to grow up and serve God. Living in this ungodly world, they can be a light. But I'm just trying to tell you, our children are bombarded with sinfulness and ungodliness. You know, all of you guys in here, excuse me, we want, our, we want our boys especially to have a work ethic. All right? But I'm just trying to tell you, we put our kids out there and we work in the public. You know what it means to work in the public. And they're not going to tell you what they're doing in public because they know that you're going to pull them back out immediately. You have to be aware of what's going on in our children's life because the pull of pornography and if you've got boys, the pull of girls is is just such there. I took a job at Burger King years and years ago. I was 16 16 years old and when I went to that Burger King, uh, it was a a shell shock to me because the only thing I ever knew was Christianity. I never knew the lost world. I never knew, I, I didn't understand it. And at 16 years old, went out and took a job at Burger King. And all of a sudden, they send me to the bathroom to clean the, to clean the washrooms. And one of the girls from work walks into the boy's bathroom to propose to do things she shouldn't have done. And I, those kind of things were just such a shock to me. I'd, I'd never seen those kind of things before or, or had those things happen. And I'm just trying to tell you that the, what, what we go through, our kids are going through. And this thing of, well, they got to grow up. I want to tell you something as long as they're in your home, you got to protect them. They are going to make wrong decisions. We make wrong decisions. But can I just tell you that there's a progression to those wrong decisions, and there's always small steps that cause the larger step? I don't know about today, but at one time, our church, about 40% 40 of our church was divorced. It might be more than that now. I don't know. I don't keep track of who's divorced and who's not. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to God either. If you're saved, you're married, you stay married to the one you're married to. But if you've been divorced, you know that our kids need to hear one man, one woman for life. That's not going to happen if you're not careful about these little steps. Well, you know, he messed up here. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal because of the progression of sin. Amen. You know, it's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, hey, listen, <clears throat> you have heard that it has been said, thou shalt not kill. Jesus said that if a man look upon a woman to lust after her, he hath committed adultery with our already in her heart. It's the little things in our life that we have to make sure that we're concerned about. Are you listening this morning? Amen. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know this is the lesson for the day. All of us have things in our life that we have to deal with in our life and we cannot just, what does 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 12 say? Wherefore let him that thinketh take heed lest he. It's the idea of it's not really going to matter what I watch on television. It's not going to really matter what I say on social media. It's not going to really matter what I see in a grocery store. It does matter. It matters because of where it's going. Right. I want to tell you something. Satan knows what he's doing. He's been doing this for six, seven, almost 7,000 years. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Amen. Eve, it's just a piece of fruit. Hath God said? You know, it's funny. He didn't ask her to eat the fruit, he questioned God's word first. Yeah. So I see and I think about that. It's a matter of making sure. You know, I asked my wife to go get this candy again for me this morning because. You guys relate so much better with food. Now, these are chocolate-covered almonds. (coughs) I used these the other other day, too. Do you ever pull out a bowl of chocolate-covered almonds and only eat one? You say to yourself, you know what, I think I'm just going to eat one today. And then you eat that one, and what happens next? Then you think to yourself, oh, I'm only going to eat two. And then what happens next? and four and five and six. Some of you would have this thing cleaned out before the Sunday school hour is over with. Can I tell you that sin is the same way? We think to ourselves, there is no way I'm going to do all of that. But all of that doesn't happen overnight. It happens one piece at a time. So we as Christians need to make sure that we don't allow the smaller sins into our life. All right, quickly next, number one, not only is sin, uh, is preceded by David's great sin was uh, preceded by smaller sins. I want you to pick up chapter 12. Let's read a couple of verses here, chapter 12. David's great sin had uh, had also great consequences. I want you to talk about these consequences for just a second here. Chapter 12, verse number one. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. That's the prophet. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me again. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, there were two men In one city, the one rich and the other poor. Now think about the story. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing, save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nursed up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drink of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man. and was come unto him, that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb, and dressed it for the man that was come to him. David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. <coughs> and he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that had done this thing shall surely die. David goes on to say in verse six, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he had did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, thou art the man. All right, now before I go read. I might read a little bit farther, but <coughs> church, I mean, think about this for a second here. I like, the story's kind of unique because I think it really pictures <coughs> Uriah and Bathsheba I don't think they were very rich. I think that the story really illustrates they were poor. Amen. Think about it. He's in the David's on the palace wall, looking down, and there's no doubt he sees all of these houses. I don't want to use the if I can use the word peasants, but they were they were poor. I mean, she's up there bathing on her roof, and David takes a poor man's wife because he had everything, and so that's what the picture of the story here. And David gets so mad, he says that guy ought to die, <coughs> and he says not, not only die, he needs to restore fourfold. Can I just tell you something? That's exactly what happened to David. The baby that Bathsheba had died. Tamar is raped by her own brother. Amnon is killed by his brother. And Absalom leads a rebellion against his own father and dies. Yeah, it happened just like David said it was going to happen. There are consequences to our sin. There's consequences to our sin. Church family, listen. Nobody can make you get right with God. You have to get right with God. And sometimes when we don't get right with God, God helps you get right with God. I still believe in spanking because it's biblical. And I know people don't like it because it's not politically correct. If you slap your child, you're wrong. If you hit your child, you're wrong. You throw them against the wall, you're wrong. But why do we let the lost world tell us that spanking's not right? That is ridiculous. Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Withdraw, uh, uh, withdraw not, withdraw not th- uh, the, the rod. What's oh, me. I don't know which verse I'm doing, to be honest with you. I'm gonna have to do another one, what's that? Withhold, I keep saying withdraw. Withhold not correction, from, if I get this started right, I'm okay. What's the word again? Withhold, thank you. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with a rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil, so do stripes the inward parts of the belly. There's no way, there's no way you can say that a, a, a parent is not supposed to spank his child. Don't spank him in anger. If you're, if you're an angry person, then wait, but still spank them. You know why? Because it teaches them that there's a God in heaven that when we do wrong, he spanks us. And we've got a bunch of spoiled brats that are being raised today. They get no discipline at home, so they think they can do whatever they want when it comes to God. And they're going to learn the hard way. You don't just do what you want when it comes to God. There's consequences to our sin. We have a whole Bible of sin with its consequences. Samson has his eyes burned out. Lot is sitting in some mountain, committing incest with his children, and he loses everything. Eve eats the fruit and all of a sudden now sin, and she begins to die as a physical human being and is cast out of the garden. We can go through the Bible and we're gonna find over and over and over of people that there were consequences for our sin. I'm just trying to remind us there are consequences. Now, David's consequences are pretty clear. Look at chapter 12 again. <coughs> Look at the consequences. Verse, <coughs> uh, I'm just gonna, for time's sake, verse number eight. And I gave thee, Nathan talking to David, and I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives under thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, read the last phrase of verse number eight out loud with me, Ready? I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Can I tell you the consequences of David's sin is things that God would have given him, he never got. Amen. Things that God wanted to bless David with, he never got because of sin. Why? Because there are consequences to sin. Look, at, look what else here in verse number 10. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me, God speaking here, because thou hast despised me and taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. His own family would die. In verse number 11, God is prophetical. Verse number 11, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. Who was that? Absalom. So in other words, there's consequences to David's sin. Look at verse number 12. And for thou did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. David, his reputation would be tarnished publicly. Verse 13. I'm sorry, verse 14. How be it, verse 14, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. <coughs> He goes on to say, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. You know, I going to tell you something, there's great consequences when it comes to our sin. There's nobody above the punishment of God, nobody. Amen. Pastors not above it, members not above it, your children are not above it. Amen. It's because he's God. All right, last but not least, first of all, we see that David's great sin was preceded by smaller sins. Second of all, we see that David's great sin um, uh, had its consequences. And then look at the last one. David's great sin received great mercy and forgiveness. All right? Uh, hey, church family, to, I, I want to show you this last point, and, I'll, and it's 10.05. I'm doing good on time. But I want to show you the last point from Psalm 51, and there's a reason for that, all right? We can see it here because God said, I'm not going to kill you. We understand that. But look at Psalm 51. And I want to show you something. Psalm chapter 51, if you flip over there. Psalm chapter 51. Do we believe that we have a divinely inspired Bible, yes or No. We believe that we've got a God-breathed book, 2 Timothy 3, verse number 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof for correction, for instruction and righteousness. We believe that God gave us his word. We believe that. All right? If you don't, I do. All right? When you have a reference Bible, a reference Bible is usually man's idea of what the chapter is talking about. All right? Psalms is a little bit different in the sense that the the topics that are above, for instance, if you didn't have a reference Bible, you would still have those topics above the chapter. It's because it was part of the scriptures. All right. Now we don't read that as verse number one because King James or, you know, in 1611, they gave us our numbers in the divisions of the chapters and there's nothing wrong with that. But the phrases that are above the chapter, that wasn't, somebody's idea of what the chapter is about. That's what God gave us about the chapter. Are we all that okay? So in the book of Psalms, look at the heading of Psalm 51. The heading of Psalm 51 says this, to the chief musician, a Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had been in, after he had gone in to Bathsheba. All right. So we know for sure that this chapter is not somebody's Thought about, oh, this chapter must be about David and Bathsheba. We know it's about David and Bathsheba because the Bible tells us on the heading, the Bible tells us on the heading that this is the story of David and Bathsheba. All right? Now, with that thought, (coughs) I want you to see some things about God's forgiveness, okay? Now, (coughs) excuse me, I want to start in verse number three. I'll come back to one. Verse three says, For I, what's the word? (laughs) Acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against thee and thee only. Have I sinned, Alright? Now, just remember, when it comes to getting God's forgiveness, the first thing a person has to do is acknowledge their sin. Amen. I'm doing wrong. What do you do with your own children? You try to get them to acknowledge, I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. And if they get to be stubborn and rebellious, then you have to spank them and say, Now, listen, I'm going to help you understand that that was wrong. Even though you don't think it was wrong, that was still wrong. All right? You know what God wants to do? He wants us to acknowledge God, I, I shouldn't have looked at that. God, I shouldn't have made that statement. God, I shouldn't have been envious or jealous. Or I shouldn't have had that thought. I shouldn't have gone to that place. God, I'm sorry, I should not have done that. The first thing that has to happen before you're ever going to ask for forgiveness is acknowledgement Amen. that this Amen. was wrong. Have you ever talked to somebody about salvation before? Amen. My name's Scott John. We're from the Heritage Baptist Church. like to give you an invite. More important than going to church, know for sure you're going to heaven. Sometimes we start with an invite like that. Amen. And then we ask this question. Do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? Oh, I think so. I hope so. I'm pretty sure. Okay, all those answers does not mean 100% sure. So then you say, if there was a way, I mean, you can say it any way you want, but if there was a way you could know from the Bible how you could go to heaven, wouldn't you like to know that? And they say, well, yeah. And then you take five minutes or so and you show them from the Bible. The very first thing you show them from the Bible in order to go to heaven is that they are a? Sinners. Sinners. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you always say this, all right? I'm talking to Wayne here. Wayne's lost. Maybe we should use your wife. Is she more lost? Oh, okay, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm talking to Wayne. I say, hey, listen, Wayne, <clears throat> that, by, that verse right there, Romans 3.23, says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All means everybody. That means I'm a sinner, and that means you're a sinner. Do you agree? Now, did you notice we don't go any farther <laughs> until they acknowledge that they've sinned? I've only had it happen one or two times Amen. that they say, I don't, I've never sinned. And then I laugh and say, you just did because you lied. (laughs) We've all sinned, right? Okay, you have an acknowledgment for salvation, but you also need an acknowledgment for sanctification. In other words, if I'm going to have fellowship with God, I can't act like I'm not doing anything wrong (laughs) wrong, because God says, I know you're doing wrong. Acknowledgement. Quickly, look what else he says. Excuse me. Church family, verse one and two and five through nine, they kind of go together. Verse number one, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude, of thy tender mercies. Now remember, this chapter is talking about David and Bathsheba. David says, out of the tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Jump down to verse number five. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Hey, can I just quickly say, when the Bible says in verse number five, behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and sin did my mother conceive me, I don't think that it's saying that Jesse and his wife were having a sinful relationship and David was born. I don't believe that. Right. What it's talking about is David said, when I was conceived, in other words, I was born with a sin nature. That's right. I always get a kick out of people when they have babies. They bring that baby home and how sweet and how innocent they are. They're not sweet and they're not innocent. You know why? Because they have a sin nature. Did you have to teach your kids how to sin? Did you have to teach them how to say no? You know why? It's because they, they're sinners. Yeah. So you know what Dave was saying? I was born with this. But he, first he acknowledges, and the second of all, in verses five through nine, <coughs> he asked God for forgiveness. He asked God for forgiveness. It's 11 after 10, if you were wondering. And I'm, I'm gonna try to be done early, and I told you that, all right? And I'm planning on it, all right? But I wanna, I wanna remind you, That every day of your life, you're supposed to confess your sins according to the model prayer. So when I got up this morning, I do not recite the model prayer. I pray the concept of the model prayer because Jesus said, after this manner, pray ye. So you know what? I don't have to think how to pray. He already told me how to pray. So every day of my life, I'm gonna pray the model prayer. And guess what part of the model prayer is? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Well, I just don't have anything to ask God to forgive me for. Talk to your wife. You might be there for an hour. Talk to your wife. When I was uh, 17, 18 years old, I used to write my prayers out before praying them. So when I came to forgive us our debts, we forgive our debtors, I would take a minute and I'd write down all my sins. In fact, I still have the stenos of those. and No, you can't look through them. I would, God, I'd write them down. And then I would pray over them. Forgive me for foolish talk and, God, forgive me for a bad thought, for laziness, or for being critical, not loving you like I should. God, forgive me for being judgmental and condemning him. I would go through all those things, and I'd ask God to forgive me. And I'm going to just tell you, I do that every day still. Amen. You know why? Because I'm a sinner. <laughs> and I have to acknowledge my sin, and I have to ask God to forgive me my sin. I want to tell you something, you're hurting, you're, you're hurting your Christian life if you don't on a regular basis get a clean slate. Amen and the devil he's just going to keep getting you to take one step at a time and you're going to keep getting worse and worse and worse and then it's going to get so bad that you're not going to know how bad and you're not going to get right i was a school teacher before i became a pastor i am still amazed to this day that as a school teacher when i would offer extra credit the only people who do the extra credit are the a students I'm just telling you, it's still true today. I teach in the college, I still teach in the, uh, I teach, I'm not just teaching this year in the school, but I teach in the college, and I'm just trying to tell you, it goes without fail. The person who is a C, D, or F student never does the extra credit. Can I just tell you, the farther you get away from God, you will never get, you're getting to a place you're not gonna get right. It's the people, by the way, can I say this too? Thank you. Isn't it interesting that the people who use the altar are the people who really, they're doing their best to please the Lord? It's not, not always. Sometimes there's a person down there, man, praise God, a revival took place. I mean, they were running from God and they get right with God. But can I tell you, the people who use the altar the most are the A students. They're the people who are trying to read their Bible, trying to tell people about Christ. They're trying to do right. They're not perfect, but they're trying to be as close as they can to God. Can I just tell you on a regular basis, you gotta keep your sins confessed. Right, quickly. I'm gonna finish here. Here's what he says next. He first of all, David acknowledges sin. Second of all, he asks forgiveness for his sins. Look at verse number 10. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Because of time, jump to verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of, thy salva- of my salvation, of thy salvation, <coughs> and uphold me with thy free spirit. Just notice in verse number 10, the word renew. Notice in verse, the verse number 12, the word restore. Can I just tell you that David asked to be restored? You know, if you have a car and you restore the car, what's the object of restoring a car? Is to get it to be like yeah. new to get it back to its original state. I want to tell you something, when you fall down, you get back up. God, would you please give me back that joy? Would you please give me back that openness to the scriptures? Would you please give me that that tender heart? God, would you please bring it back to me? Lord, I lost it for months maybe, or even years. God, would you bring it, would you restore me? You to wanna be restored. So David asked for that restoration. Next, not only does he ask for restoration, in verse number 13, he says, now that I'm right, what's the first word in verse number 13, first word? For then, all right? Now that he's he's being restored, then will I teach transgressors thy way. Hey, listen, I don't think you need to tell everybody everything you did wrong. I don't think you need to tell everybody everything you did wrong. But when a person gets right, there's something in them that wants others to be right. Hey, Dad, I want to tell you something. If there's ever a reason for you to be right with God, it's because if you're right with God, you want the rest of the family to be right with God. When you're not right with God, you don't care. I know you don't notice it, but you're not, you, you, don't, you don't have that consuming, consuming. When you're not right, you don't have that consuming. Is my, is my son reading his Bible? Is my daughter, is she right? But when you're right with God, you want everybody to be right with God. Amen. Amen. All right, so again, I see there that you, you teach others. Verse 14 and fifteen. O Lord, open thou my lips, and thy mouth shall show forth thy, what's the last word? Praise, verse 15, the word praise. Look at verse number uh, 15. For thou, oh, I'm sorry, O oh Lord, open thou my lips. Did I read verse 15? Verse 14 says about the same thing. It talks about praising God. You can look at those. And last of all, verse 16 and 17. This is, what's, this is what's important if you're gonna get right with God. The sacrifices of God are a what? A broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, that will not despise, all right? <coughs> I'm gonna read one more verse and I'm done. Look at verse 16, I'm sorry, verse 16. For thou desirest not, what's the word? Else would I give it. Thou delightest not in what? The sacrifice of God or a broken spirit. Hey, church, I want to tell you something. It's a lot easier for you you to throw your tithe in the offering plate than for you to be right with God. I'm just telling you, a broken spirit, that's what God wants. I'm done. I know it's a normal, I know it's a very uh, elementary lesson about David's sin, but I'm just trying to let you know that there's always little sins before you get to a big sin or great sin. I'm just letting you know that when we sin, whether it's small or big, there's always consequences to those sins. I'm just letting you know, God forgives sin. Amen. So what do we have? Sin, consequence, forgiveness. Amen. I'm sure glad the Lord doesn't give me what I deserve. Amen. What a wonderful thing, what a wonderful God we have. I me, mean, thanks for being so attentive this morning. We want, I'm gonna pray a closing prayer and then hope you can fellowship for a little bit. Was, you know, just a couple, th- three minutes, already.